I want to share with you uh, about um, Gideon's example of greatness. How many of you have set your sights to be great for the Lord? Now, come on. I don't know how much coffee you need. Come on. How many, want, how, how many, are, how many are not here for nothing? You want to do something, huh? There you go. I'm going to talk out of Joshua chapter 6 and verse 8 about Gideon and the great stuff he did and what God wants you to do as well. Now, please hear me today. I might take a minute or two over. Uh, Excuse me, you'll still have lunch. It'll all be there waiting for you. But I need to talk with you. Because when you read the story of Gideon, it reads like an action movie, really. And when you read him and you, t- and, and you look at him and you look at all that he's done, it reads like an action movie. Gideon plays the role of an unlikely hero who rises to the challenge against all of the odds to accomplish what most people said is impossible. Impossible. And when you read Gideon, uh, you actually come away with that. This is crazy with some of the stuff God was requiring of him. It was like a too-good-to-be-true movie. But this is you. It's not just Gideon. It's you. So please, amalgamate those two together. The story of Gideon is an historical reality with spiritual significance to it. It wasn't made up. It was real. And it has real significance to you as a student here at Elam Bible Institute in college. You're here because you felt the Holy Spirit led you. And it wasn't for nothing. It wasn't just for something. It was for greatness. Could you say that with me? Greatness. One more time. Greatness. God has greatness with you, and I am not just trying to stroke you. I'm telling you the truth. It's real. Pictured in the life of Gideon are several guidelines for believers who really desire to do great things for the Lord. And what I want to share with you today is just a couple of them. There's multiple ones, but I'm going to share two of them with you, if I could, please. I want you to not forget two scriptures. I didn't put this one on, but I don't want you to forget the scripture because this is you. This is any believer in Jesus Christ. He did it in the Old Testament. He did it in the New Testament. The New Testament, it continues to this day. That is Daniel. When Daniel said in Daniel chapter 11 and verse 32, he said, those who know their God will do great exploits. In other words, they're going to do tremendous things, deeds, and achievements. And God is looking for men and women to achieve things for not only your area and your county and your state, but throughout the world. Achievements for God. You can do a great achievement. You know, you can make a lot of money. That's wonderful, wonderful. I wish you would. And you come back and give, you know, bless God with it here at Elam. But the fact is, you're not here to just twiddle your thumbs. You're here by divine appointment. Every single one of you. Those who know their God will do exploits. It's what God has for you and what he's determined. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit's power to be able to empower the followers of him to do great things in the sphere of anointing that God has given you. Look at this, John chapter 14, verse 12, and it says this. Truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have done, and greater will they do because I'm going to be with the Father. And he actually says in verse 16, 
I'll give you another advocate when he leaves. And so what he's saying is, the, the works that I have done, the miracles that I have performed, the gospel that I am preaching, the good news that I am sharing, you're going to do, and you're going to do more than he does. He said it, I didn't. He went up, and the Holy Spirit came down. And the Holy Spirit didn't just come down just, you know, just very lightly and very nicely whispering in people's ear and, and doing not a whole lot. He came down in power. And he has empowered each and every one of us. Right, David? Say amen, bro. I know you would. See, here's what I want to share with you today. You empowered people. When I see you, I see the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the redemption for nations. That's what I see. That's what they've been seeing for 100 years here. And here you are today, and it is awesome. Number one, I'm going to share just two things. Number one, appreciate adversity. (laughs) Isn't that an oxymoron? Appreciate diversity. You may be thinking, Dr. Ray, I like you. You're a nice guy, but are you crazy? Appreciate diversity. I mean, what are you saying? value or appreciate difficult times in my life? I mean, is that something that I'm looking forward to? I mean, is that something that you want me to to really get excited about? Appreciate adversity. So the next time you're in trouble, the next time you're going through something, doctor, I said appreciate, appreciate, appreciate. It might never matter. I am good. I am good. I am fine. I am like, no, 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 no. Um, There's a reason behind it. When I use the word appreciate, I'm referring to perception. Not enjoyment. In other words, I'm talking to you about awareness and knowledge, not necessarily enjoying the thing that you're going through. God is doing something in you. He's making you aware of something because if it were up to us, we would not make ourselves aware of too much. I live, all of us live, every human being lives to scratch their own itch. I know I wouldn't get an amen from that. We're all pretty much selfish. At the end of the day, if we can have what we want, basically, not have a lot of bumps, no bruises, no difficulties, and really do a good thing for God, we do it. (laughs) But we have adversity. It happens. I learned really to appreciate uh, adversity when I was in the Air Force and uh, Lackland Air Force Base in San Antonio, Texas. Just a hippie. I didn't know. I, didn't, I was just scared to death. Everything was frightened. I'd like to say that I was a real man looking forward to it, but they scared me. <laughs> it, was a, it was a bad time in our country, Vietnam. It was not nice. And so I'll never forget this because this is what was said to me. Maybe a word was offered to, but I remember this. Uh, the DI, the drill instructor, when we got there, because they disorient you, you get there like 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, you don't know what you're doing, they bring you into a parking lot with a bunch of gravel, and they say, pick up the cigarette butts. There are no cigarette butts, but they tell you to go look for them anyway, so you're scared, and you're picking up rocks and dirt and, 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 and grass, you don't know what it is. You're just totally disoriented. And I remember him saying to all of us, he said, welcome to boot camp, where you're going to learn to appreciate how I'm going to train you. There... <laughs> There was nothing about that statement that I appreciated one iota. He was got this little Smokey the Bear hat on. He's screaming and yelling at you, saying things that I can't repeat. Just really upsetting. And I, he's, I'm already disoriented, looking for things that are not there. But he's saying they are there. 
and I'm saying, I'm going to appreciate you. I am scared to death. But you know what? When I left, I did appreciate him. I appreciated everything he said to me because it made sense to me. Afterwards, it makes sense. Appreciation is not necessarily liking the thing that you're going through in the moments. It can hurt you. It can be very sad. It's navigating through life without falling apart. That's what it is. So appreciating what we're going through so that we can navigate through life as we are growing to not fall apart. To be able to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, noting that we have a human condition and we are not always that way. Without the raising of hands, how many many of you have ever hurt? How many of you have ever been sad? How many of you have ever been confused? How many of you have ever been just like uh, what you thought was going to be didn't happen and and you just found yourself uh, sliding down the hill wondering, God, where are you at? Just, you know, just an adversity uh, uh, in your life that you couldn't really grab hold of. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 11, I'm not sure that I have that. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, says this. It says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. I think the King James says, uh, no discipline for the moment seems joyful but sorrowful, to yet those who have been trained by it afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. My father used to say to me, son, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. That's crazy. That's crazy. No, it ain't, Dad. It's going to hurt me. Wait, you are the discipline-er. I'm the discipline-e. This ain't fun. Never's been fun. Stop saying that. Just get on with it so I can at least go down the road. All discipline for the moment seems not joyful but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness, in theory. (laughs) Hopefully you don't do it again. But when you're a kid, sometimes you're crazy. You do the things anyway. How many of you have never, how many of you have been good all of your life since you've been born? Get out of here. (laughs) How many of you ever got a whooping? Oh, what's this crowd over here? They They don't even raise their hands. And you know some of them got a whooping. You know they have. How many learned from that whooping? How many did not learn from that whooping? There you go. (laughs) I would be in that category, unfortunately. Because life takes a turn. Eleanor Roosevelt, the wife of the 32nd president of the United States, Eleanor Franklin Roosevelt, in the 1930s and 40s, she said, if life were predictable, it would cease to be life. And be without flavor. Flavor being the stuff that we've learned and what we've gone through. If life were predictable, it would cease to be life because life just sneaks up on you. It smacks you in the back of the head. It's not always kind to you. It's not always good. Other times it is. It's wonderful. It's a party. It's just great. I'm I'm on top of the mountain loving everything. And then all of a sudden you find you're not on top of that mountain anymore. What do you do? Do you change the way? You know, when you say, God is good all the time, God is good. Do you mean it? Now, I know you mean it, spirit, in my heart, I mean it. 
In my heart, God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. But how, but do you, how about when you're really going through stuff? Well, it doesn't feel like he's good. But it's good because we're going to learn from it later. At my age, everything made sense later. All discipline for the moment seems not joyful, sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards. It's the afterwards that makes sense. Don't you wish you could get the afterwards now and just alleviate all of that stuff? Who wants to go through stuff? But then again, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be formed. I want it now. I want it now. How many would like the surgeon? If you, how many of you ever had surgery? Okay, we got one, two. And it's okay. You can, you can do that. It's okay to have surgery. You can confess that. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. <clears throat> um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. We got you. Um, have you ever, did you say to the surgeon, doctor, listen, please, please hurry. Whatever you got to do. Do it quickly. I, I just, I got things to do, people to see, places to go. And please just, if you can, I know it's a four, five, six hour surgery. Can you do it in 20 minutes? If you can do it in 20 minutes, it would be good. No, no, because then he'd leave his tools in there. Stuff would be wrong. He'd be messed up, and he said, you, 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 you rushed me. No, but you can say, take your time. Please take your time. Do everything you're supposed to. Cross that T, dot that I. Just suture it up really nice. Take your time. But yet we want God sometimes to happen like this. Adversity. It's learning how to go through the storm, to come out the other side, appreciating the one who has trained you to be strong, the adversity. And there are storms in life. And to appreciate the one who is training you is not always the thing you do up front, but it's the thing you do later because it makes sense later. It makes sense. When we see Gideon, Gideon was experiencing nothing but adversity. I mean, this was bad. It's bad. Nothing but adversity. The pagan nation of Midian had totally overthrown Israel. They were in a really rough spot in their lives. And the Midianites were a nomadic kind of a people, and they were traveling all over the place. And the scripture said they were like locusts that ravaged the land and the inhabitants, and they were doing that exactly with the children of Israel. And then after seven years of being ravaged by the Midianites and being oppressed by them, finally the children of Israel cry out to the Lord. They cried out to God, look, Judges chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. Judges 5, verse 5 and 6. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them and their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to God. I finally got, you know why? Because when it, they, they were trying to do their own thing as they always do. And we try to do our own thing until we get into trouble. God, help me. Help me, Lord. I'll never do it again. <laughs> I won't go there again. I won't do that again. By the way, God doesn't mind that. I'm going to show you that in just a second here. Because God, Israel, the Israelites were crying out to God in that very desperate moment. God hears us all the time. There's not a time that God does not hear us. But I believe the scripture reveals that he has a special response for those who cry out to him in humility for divine assistance. God, you know, instead of, God, you know, you're a good God. Uh, I know you're going to do it. Just do it, Lord. You know, not a problem. You're, you're, instead of God is my buckler, he becomes my butler. Oh, God, no problem. Just do it for me. It's all right, God. Thank you, Lord, in advance. Jesus' name. You know, like, 
if you always have candy all the time, you know, after a while, you don't want candy anymore. If you always eat. <laughs> Did you say except for you, David? Bacon. Oh, bacon. <laughs> you remind me of that commercial. Oh, bacon bits, bacon bits, bacon bits, bacon bits. And the little dog going, oh, no, no, bacon bits, bacon bits. I keep thinking that's an old commercial. When I think of that bacon bits, I'm thinking, especially, did you see how excited he got? I said candy. He went, ooh, 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 bacon. Bacon. <laughs> you are awesome, brother. You are awesome. Whew, I can smell it now. John, 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 and f- verse 14. 1 John chapter 5, excuse me, verse 14. This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he what? He hears us. Rather than me going on with that scripture, he hears us. He hears you when you cry out to him. But Oh, but is there conditions? Is there conditions with you? And do you think when you're not doing the right thing that he doesn't hear you? Because I'm not doing the right thing. I'm not saying the right thing. I'm not watching the right thing. I'm not th- and so therefore, he must not hear me. I, I, the scripture doesn't at all say that. Even through, young men and women, even through your sin and through your selfishness and your ignorance, he loves you and he hears you every single time. God in his sovereignty, listen to me, God in his sovereignty allows adversity It's very useful in forming you. He allows it. We just happen to live in a fallen world. Stuff happens. We got our brother Stacy, we're believing God for you've had difficulties. You know, and this this isn't a perfect world. It just isn't. But we serve a perfect God. Amen? Who is able to do this all things thing. Really, he really can. The Bible says our adversities actually refine our faith. So the things you're going through and the things you have questions about and the things you, you're kind of topsy-turvy about, God is actually using those to refine your faith. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7 says this. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proving genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may result in praise and glory and honor in Jesus Christ when he is revealed. It's doing something in you. It's just not lingering around. It's just not a scripture hanging here. The genuineness of your faith. The genuineness. Well, I'm not always faithful. Listen to me. You're more than you think you are. Do not downgrade what God has deposited in you. He's downloaded great and wondrous things. So I'm sharing with you that you need to understand that what God wants to do in you is great. And the faith that you have, you need to understand it's going to be refined. It must be. If you ate wheat and it wasn't refined, you'd be chewing it and crunching it. Some things are just good refined. Chocolate milk. How many like the powdered chocolate milk? You're a woman of God. <laughs> Besides Lydia, come on, confess. This is good. How many like powdered chocolate milk? There's two. Do we have three? There's three. Maybe, possibly, you don't know. Okay. So, oh, there's four. Peach, I think you'd like it either way, wouldn't you? 
There's at least, there's at least four. There's at least four, you know? Uh, but if you ate the chocolate, <laughs> but if you ate the chocolate the way it was before it's all refined, it's like rocks. One of the biggest arguments my wife and I had, we were first married. We weren't married a week. Not a week. How about that? I was raised on powdered chocolate, which is a divine revelation from God that most people do. She was raised on the Hershey liquid stuff. <laughs> she just had a little more money. The powder was cheaper. Um, and I said, honey, could you get some chocolate, you know, stuff for the milk? Oh, yeah, 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 no problem. She comes back with Hershey. I'm looking for the bunny quick. I'm looking for the quick stuff with the bunny on the front of it. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Woo! Hallelujah. Revival's going to start here any moment, I can tell. And I said, honey, you got the wrong chocolate. Now you're supposed to get the powder stuff. She said, well, look, we, we normally drank the right stuff, and it was the liquid chocolate. I said, well, you don't, you know, I was raised on the powder. You should know about that. She said, well, yeah, I was raised on the, we, we, had, a, we, had, a, we had a prayer meeting, didn't we? I want you to, I want, pardon me. You did. She won. And every one of you young men better remember that, okay? You'll be smarter in the long run. Trust me. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> yep, moving on. <laughs> Adversity is the training ground. It's the boot camp, if you would. For God's glory to work in us so that he can then work through us. Nothing through us until it's in us. There's a physiological aspect of that that we won't go into. But the fact is, I can do nothing on the outside until God has done something on the inside of me. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13. For it is God that works in us both the will and to do of his good pleasure. To fulfill his good pleasure in our lives. He's working in us. Have you ever prayed, God, I think I got it. Just work in the other person. Work in the other person so they'll understand that I'm right. And, and if I can go in life like that, this will be one whale of a journey with you, Jesus. And then you get married. Jade, I know you guys are real happy. There's no problems there, you know. All of our new, I don't know how many people got married. Is it like five couples that got married? This is, I don't know, the last year, something like that. Elam lives on. All right. In other words, um, what that's saying is you don't have anything to give out until you, something has been done within you. Whether it's patience, whether it's questions, God's got to work in you. Whether it's heartache, whether it's sadness, whether it's disappointments, whether it's humiliation, or whether it's anger, remember, you either fall upon the rock, which is humility, or the rock falls upon you. It, it is no, there's no getting away from that. If you want to walk with Jesus, you go, ah, you know, I just gotta, I'm just going to, I know I have the word of the Lord. I'm, I'm constantly walking around in, in the light. And so you just need to do what I need to tell you to do and everything is fine. No, God's going to, not wacky, he's going to love you. All of a sudden, he falls on you, and he's doing something in you as a result of that. I have nothing to give unless something has been given to me first. 
I, I can't build your house unless I've busted my fingers enough to where I know what I'm doing. Now I know how to operate a hammer. I can help you. We get frustrated. We get defeated, even confused at times. We expect our faith to somehow eliminate our adversities. And young men and women, that can't happen. Like somehow more faith equals less adversity. That isn't the case. I wish it were. It is not. God's doing something in you. And you got to let him do it. And you won't. There'll be times you go, you know, God, can you do it? Can you do it less? Or could you do it to somebody else? I mean, and I just get the residual effect from it. If you can do it to my sister, my brother, give me the residual effect. That'll be fine. He's doing something in you because you're called. When in reality, our faith is actually strengthened under the adversity. It is not weakened. One quick thing, and then we have one more, and it won't be that long. No, actually, we don't have one more. This is the end. Hold on here. Appreciate adversity. Did I ever tell you what the second one was? Except you did. <laughs> I'm going to take your advice on that. <laughs> so God prepares Gideon. And he starts out with this crazy thing. Here's 32,000 people. And he doesn't even want to be there. So look, look, look at this. This is, this is very, very interesting in what God is doing here. Um, the great thing is that, that when God works those things in us, we end up, we could do anything. We can empathize with someone. We can strengthen them. We can do anything we possibly can because there is, diamonds are made by virtue of extreme heat and massive pressure of the earth. And then you get this diamond. It isn't refined yet. It has to be buffed and cut and everything. But the fact is, it's, it's high temperatures and massive force that forms a diamond. Knowing this is the testing of your faith works patience, James 3, 1 through 4. Let patience have its perfect or un, it's finished or it's, it's necessary work in you that you might be mature, complete, and lacking in nothing. I believe that Scripture reveals to each and every one of us that uh, trials, adversity, precedes triumph. Abraham left his home. He didn't even know where he was going. He said he went into a land and he knew not. And he went through it, but God met him. Joseph was thrown into prison before he was in the palace. Moses lived in exile before he set the Israelis free in Egypt. David fled because of his life being threatened in the cave of Adullam way before he was king. Mary and Joseph ended up out of Egypt and went into Nazareth. So, and Paul, the apostle, was put in the Arabian desert for three years before Barnabas could convince them he's really the real thing because he was such a scoundrel. And the list goes on. So adversity prepares people. It prepares Gideon, 32 to 300 people. It didn't make sense. Have you ever felt you're up against the odds and you just can't move? I just don't think I can make it. Somehow, someway, God comes through. You need to know this. This is a promise, and you might not like it, but this is a promise. You will not escape adversity. That's a promise, I'm sorry to say. Maybe, in a way. No one's going to escape adversity because God loves you too much, and he's going to use you in a powerful way. John chapter 16, verse 33. I've told you these things so that you may have peace, but in the world you will have what? One whale of a time just drinking liquid chocolate all day long. 
in the world, you will have trouble and pressure and burdens and stress. You will have these things. You'll have pain, persecution, even anguish at times. But be of good cheer. Be encouraged, he says, because I've overcome the world. Because I have, you have. I've conquered. I've given you my power, my victorious power. I've secured. I've overcome everything that you're ever going to go through. That is the adversity. Appreciating adversity because while you're going through it, you can still see the goodness of God. One last one, and it's not going to take long, I promise. We have two minutes after. Just give me three more minutes. So you need to appreciate adversity. And number two, finally, accept your identity. How many here know who you are? How many are here saying, maybe, I don't know? How many are here? <laughs> the second example that I want to share with you that I learned from Gideon's life was accept who God says that you are. This is very important. God calls out to Gideon something that's nuts and crazy, you would think. He calls Gideon and he says to Gideon, you are a mighty warrior. Listen to what he says, Joshua chapter, pardon me, Judges chapter 6 verse 12. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I don't want you to ever forget that, by the way. That's the second thing, because you're going to be going through things, and you're going to wonder what's happening, what's going on in your life. And God's saying you are a mighty warrior. You cannot let the enemy rob you of that. This is an amazing statement from God, and I'll tell you why. Because Gideon was not a mighty warrior. Matter, at least not at that point he wasn't. God knew something about him, but he was not a mighty warrior. He was spiritually backslidden in a nation, and his family was even spiritually backslidden. They had to remove Baal's idols and Ashar, the mother of goddess poles and all these different things. Gideon is in a wine press beating wheat because he's frightened to death. He's scared that somehow the, Gideons, the Midians are going to take everything away from him. He said this about himself. This is how much of a mighty warrior he was. Chapter 6, verse 15. Listen to Gideon's own description of what he says to himself. My clan is the weakest of all the clans of Manasseh, and I am the least in all of my family. Oh, mighty warrior. The next time you are lower than a lizard's lung, and somebody has to scrape you up, you remember, when you think you're the least, God is the most. God can do things that you never thought could exist. And I'm not kidding. Gideon was a man of a small little clan filled with fear, disobedience. You see, God who declares who you are and what you are, he has the authority, he has the power to do things in you regardless of your past and regardless of what's going on with you today. God, through Christ, sees beyond your faults, and he sees beyond your fears, and he sees beyond your failures. He sees beyond all of your limitations. He knows what he put in you. He knew that, 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 that uh, Gideon was a, was a mighty warrior. Gideon didn't know that he was a mighty warrior. Do you know what's in you? Do you know the magnitude of the power that God has placed in you in Christ? The Lord prophesies over Gideon a new identity. At least it appears that way. God knew the whole time. He was that diamond. He was that pressure. He was that, that temperature. God was doing something in him, putting him through the pressure that he might come and be this moment, this mighty warrior. He's a mighty warrior. Why? 
because God says so, that's why. I'll never be able to do it. I can't do it. I believe I'd like to do it, but I don't think I have what it takes. Do not say that. If God's laid it on your heart, he can do all things through you. Gideon's beside himself. So God makes you a mighty warrior and him a mighty warrior because he says so. That's why. I want you to hear this in closing. This is interesting because God called Abraham the father of all nations, right? He didn't even have a kid. He had no children. Called him the father of all the nations. God called Moses the deliverer of Israel even though he was in the back of a desert someplace with a manslaughter charge on him. Jesus called Peter, who was the least consistent of all of them. He was a, he was a piece of work, I tell you. He was a hot mess. He called him a rock upon which I'm going to build my kingdom, even though you would have never have thought it. Here's what God says you are in closing. Listen to this. With adversity and your identity. Here's who God says you are. Here's your identity. I, without giving all the scriptures, I'll just simply tell you. God says that you are his child. That's who you are. He says that you're his friend. That is not a statement. That is who you are. You are justified, you're forgiven, and you are no longer condemned by virtue of the blood and the love and the mercy and the grace of God. That is not something that you just wear. That is who you are. It's birthed within your DNA. He says you're more than a conqueror, but you don't understand. You're threshing your wheat in a, in a wine press, but you're more than a conqueror. You are a mighty warrior. You're more than a conqueror in Christ your Lord. Don't think anyone can take that away from you. So the next time you're having one of those bad days through adversity, be trained through the Holy Spirit who's going to take you maybe through stuff only to come out smelling like a rose or Hershey's chocolate, one or the other, I'm sure. You're a royal priest declaring the good news to set people free with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are blood-bought. You are spirit-filled. You are heaven-bound. You are fully equipped and everything that God has made you a warrior with, you have special armor designed to be able to tear down the strongholds of the enemy. How many have experienced strongholds of the enemy? Come on. Now we're getting some hands up. Yes, we do. We go through it every single day of our lives. It's the thing that we fight every day. Look, I'm going to tell you a quick story. It's about a polar bear cub. This polar bear club is, cub is just struggling with his identity. And he says to his father, he says, Dad, you know, am I a polar bear like you? I mean, I'm not a dog. I'm not a cat. I'm not a wolf. Am, am, I, am I a polar bear like you? And the dad says, why are you asking me this? Yes, you are a polar bear just like me. What are you going through? And the cub says, I'm just making sure because the wind is very cold out there. What am I saying? The cub just wanted to know, and he wanted to make sure, that he was who his father said he was. That he could do what his father said he could do. And that he could withstand what his father said he can withstand. Sometimes we, we need to be reminded who we are. Because the winds are frigid, and they're trying to freeze out our faith. And we must remind ourselves... And speak to the enemy. You have no authority here. I'm, my father told me who I am. And he told me that I can withstand all of this. 
in closing. Stand to your feet if you would. In closing, adversity is like a strong wind that tears away from us all but the things that cannot be torn so that we see ourselves as who we really are, our true identity. Last quote, success doesn't come by smooth sailing, but rather determination to last longer than the adversity. I want to be standing when the, when the enemy somehow says you're not going to make it. And he has done that. It's not going to happen. And he has done that. When he said you're going to fail, and he has done that. When you're standing and you're going, God, uh, uh, I'm believing, but nothing's happening. God's saying, you just hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm going to stand. What happens is you just stand longer than the adversity that's standing against you. And you can do it. You know why? Ask me why. You're a woman of God. You're a powerful woman of God. It's amazing who you are. Just reach over and touch the person next to you on the shoulder. I think we can do that now. I don't know. I get in trouble with my vice president. Where am I? Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we're going to just, you know what? We're, we're not going to give in to the adversity. We're going to appreciate it as we're going through it. I'm not going to try to get away from it because you're in it and you're doing something in me so that I might be able to do something with someone else. That the gospel might be permeated and might be propagated in the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, I am who you say I am and I am nothing that the enemy says I am. So when he tries to rob me and tell me that I can't do this, I'm not going to be able to stand up under this, He's a liar, and he's the father of lies. I will believe you because you tell me who I am. I just need you to remind me, and I'll walk through anything you tell me to walk through. So, Lord, be with these young men and women. Bless them. Be with them. Encourage them. Strengthen them as we now look to you to do great and wondrous things. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Bless you.